Hello everybody, welcome to another edition of Bannering the Blue Shirts. My name is Tom Rich Jr. And as always, I'm joined by Mike Murphy. How's it going today, Mike? I'm doing well. Uh, it's been, you know, we had our post-draft show um, where we had Adam Herman on as our guest. Adam Herman of uh, also Blue Shirt Banner, like you and me. Part of our little wolf pack there. And we didn't really touch on the Henrik Lundqvist thing, but... We're going to get to talk about that and a bunch of other stuff today because it's free agency time. It's July 1st, but not July 1st, Tom. Uh, we've had a couple of minor moves and one move that has... Um, how, how, do, how do you put it, Tom? What, do you, what does the, the signing of the hour make you feel like? All, all I think about and you know, people who follow... Um, U.S. men's soccer, like, you know, internationally will understand it. I just thought of, like, seeing that move of, um, uh, you know, Taylor Twelman, like, after the, I think it was back in, but it was during qualifying for the, I want to say, 2016 World Cup. I may be off or might have, I don't even remember these, but the the fact of the line was is the U.S., his men's uh, were eliminated from contention and he was just going into this whole thing about the national team and he's like what are they doing what are we doing here in this just this rant um, that's you know circulated a lot it's become a well-used gif but yeah Jack Johnson what are the Rangers doing um, I don't really honestly understand this there's been a lot of said People of oh it's it's one year it's you know just a little over a million why are you getting all up in arms about it he may not even play and you know to that people I say you read the press release they made a a big point to talk about you know the man's ice time you know something along the lines of uh, x out of the last fourteen years he's averaged over eighteen or nineteen minutes a game um, and I think. I forget who had the tweet, but it's like, oh, here is an analytical look at Jack Johnson, and you don't want to know what his best stat is? Time on ice. Um, yeah, I, I really don't understand the move. Um, In other words, reputation is his yeah. best asset. Yeah. Right, and like lost in all of this, and I don't, I don't think anyone's brought it up like as a you know, you're being mean or anything. Where obviously people understand, you know. Jack Johnson was in the unfortunate situation of um, a lot of his career earnings were squandered um, because of you know the money mismanagement by his own parents and yeah. whole situation where he I think he had to declare bankruptcy and um, he was just in, in in a really bad spot so that when he did end up signing that deal that he was bought out from from the Pittsburgh Penguins it was sort of like a you know here's an opportunity for a guy to um get his life back together in in some way he can sort of move forward um and, and Jack Johnson he I think he was the number number three pick um in his draft year so like he was a guy with a lot of acclaim a lot of esteem um he's been around the league forever so everything we've heard really nice guy really good character guy really good teammate I love all of those things, and y you know what? Young team, great. Big big fan of those qualities, but 
I feel like you can accomplish those things with moves that don't count against your salary cap. You can have a special skills coach. You can have whatever you want to name it. Just pay, pay any, you know, NHLer that has passed their prime. They can no longer find work that pays them to play. Hire them on as a skills coach. Have them on as a life coach. Whatever you want to call it. You need a, a shepherd yeah. for the sheep. Do that. Don't sign Jack Johnson with valuable cap space. I'll let you talk because I've been rambling. Well, yeah. I mean, the thing that is so mystifying about this to me is that there were an abundance of dirt cheap, get them on a veteran's minimum, guys you can play on the left side on your third pair. And there um, still are. And, yeah, that's the other problem. You just you just hit, you just hit the, the nail on the head there still are options out there. Like, if you just scroll through the signings um, and you look at guys, you know, obviously not guys coming off of their uh, restricted free agency, but just, you know, guys who are around 28, 27, even 26, some guys, like... you can Ben get Hutton, 27. Yeah, you can get a ton of guys. And, and you know, if, if you're someone who's vehemently against analytics well Jack Johnson at the height of his powers was regarded as an offensive defenseman in the past three seasons he hasn't broken 13 points he spent two of those seasons with Pittsburgh Um, so abundant opportunity to pick up points and before that he was in Columbus Um, this is a guy who's the last time he had like a really big season was 2014-15 when he had a 40-point season. The Rangers have a need, if anything, for a more defensively sound presence on the left side, especially, you know, on the second and third pair. Because, you know, you like you have Brian Lindgren who kind of is cut from that cloth, right? And then you have Brendan Smith who... He's still with the team somehow, although I think a lot of us are expecting him to be shipped out or gone in some way, maybe. But um, I, I was kind of anticipating him sticking around, but only because nothing really makes sense and it would make sense that he's still here. Um, but the thing that really baffles me the most here, Tom, is the underlying numbers on Jack Johnson is that he's worse than a replacement level player. You would be better off with an AHL level defenseman. Uh, than Jack Johnson and that's not to say at the height of his powers Jack Johnson was that player he was not he was at, at one point a very you know interesting uh, you know offensive defenseman who you know kind of was a staple on Team USA and and all of that you know he broke into the league with LA as you pointed out he was a very high draft pick third overall uh, by Carolina and you know, a college hockey guy, um, you know, U.S. junior team guy, and, you know, but he's 33. And there are not many guys who can play until they're 33 and still be even a shadow of what they were. And Jack Johnson isn't that. The fact that he's over a million is, you know, it is what it is. Thank God it's just the one-year term. And we've seen a lot. The thing that maybe bothers me the most about this is, it, this comes from the beat writers, and I'm I'm someone who, I try to avoid any sort of 
you know, drama or conflict. And I, I hate the whole bloggers versus beat writers stuff because I've been in this space for a decade now and I'm tired of it, frankly. I, you know, I just, I don't want to fuel that fire, but it is interesting to me how all the beat writers are like, oh, everyone's getting so worked up. You know, you pay a couple extra thousand to get a guy like Jack Johnson, the locker room presence, and oh, I know all the analytics guys are going to hate this and all those comments. But here's the thing. This does matter when you're a team that's right up against the cap and you have several very important restricted free agents to figure out. And it does matter when you watch Jesper Foss leave to sign with Carolina at $2 million a year for three years. The Rangers could have afforded to keep Jesper Foss around if they so chose. And right. they're going to need a right... Like, this does this shit does come at a cost when you make these sort of decisions, right? Like this isn't just oh, it's only a couple extra thousand or you know an extra hundred thousand and but guess what? There's you can find an NHL level third pair defenseman for two hundred and fifty k less than what than what Jack Johnson got, and you don't even have to break a sweat doing it, Tom. And if you want a veteran guy, I got news for you: you can find a veteran guy who's you know, who juggles after games and is, you know, tells great jokes and plays cards on the plane, does all those things that people love. So, yeah, I got my ranting done after your ranting. Yeah, and and it's a couple of things that I want to say in response to that. Um, I was very taken aback by the whole, we looked at the video and we saw some things that he can help us with and the referencing to he was a part of, the Penguins penalty kill. And like when I think of Jack Johnson and it's obviously the, the battle of analytics and the eye test and all that, I think of, um, it's a famous quote. Um, you know, I think it's justice Stewart. It's basically, it's something with the Supreme court and they're trying to, you know, how do you describe pornography? And I I know it when I see it. And like, that is Jack Johnson. Like, bad defenseman like I know it when I see it like you watch him play you don't have to go to a spreadsheet you don't have to go to an analytic site you can just watch the man play and you can see how things break down and it's something that we saw a lot of because he was with Columbus he was with uh, the Penguins so this is not a situation where people like to pull this card all the time like oh like, how many Vancouver Canucks games are you watching? Yeah, that, he's a known commodity to Rangers right. fans. That's a good point that I hadn't really thought of. But you, you bring that up. He's played in the division for a good good chunk of time. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it all goes back to, and um, you know, the, the, the combination of adding Johnson, losing Foss, which I was... It hurts to me. Yeah, I was upset at the time. I'm a little less upset now. Um, about it after after thinking about it, but it when I think of Johnson in his contract, it's seventy five thousand dollars more than the variable amount in Hartford. Um, so if he does wash out and he's you know they waive him, right? It's that's going to be seventy five thousand dollars in dead cap space. And again, like people are like, well, it's seventy five thousand, but here we are, like we're looking at hypotheticals for this roster and. Yeah things are brought up that they might not be able to have Kraftsoff or Baron because not only it's their cap hit, but the bonuses that are 
on their entry level deal and how that goes into the bonus overages. Look, like I, I fucking hate math. The one time I ever went to summer school was was a math class. Um, and like you know, so I don't really like going into the the nitty gritty of you know this is what he counts against a cap and all all of the, this fun stuff. Um, you know, big air quotes around fun, but it matters. And like I don't want to beat a dead horse. I'm not gonna go in depth about it but like this is what we were talking about going back when they bought out Shattenkirk we said it's not a decision for this year yes it got them to where they needed to be with the salary cap but people can go back and listen people can go back and read it was something that affected future decisions and you know now the the check has come the the meal has been eaten the check has come and it's time to pay and it's a problem and people can look at it, well, well, yeah, this isn't a year that they really were going to contend and all that fun stuff, but it just blows my mind that they have all of these rookies on ELCs. They had a Hart Trophy-worthy performance from Artemi Panarin. They had a career year from Mika Zibanejad, and they're going to go into this season and potentially waste one of the last bargain years of Zibanejad's contract, one of Panarin's prime years. Like, I understand, yes, it's a build, it's a plan, I get all of that, but I'm saying that they should be looking to take incremental steps forward each and every year, and because of all this dead cap space, it's going to be hard for them, and obviously, yeah, we don't know how many games they're going to play, all that fun stuff, but when you're making moves... It's all these little interconnected things because I, I if we even want to go back even further, um, when the Rangers couldn't sign Derek Stepan and it was I think it was during a preseason game and Glenn Sather went on TV and he had said something, oh, you know, it's a rather foolish decision of him. And then like a day or two later, Stepan signed that, um, you know, two year bridge deal or whatever um, because they couldn't sign him long term and then when he did sign his long term deal it was a lot more than they would have wanted to so that's where I look at it as you know these little decisions that make them kick the can down the road which we'll, we'll get into when we're talking about um, the arbitration cases because in a regular world if they had the flexibility to sign people to extensions you know I brought up Buchnevich in an article as, as a prime example of someone that should do that, right? They may be forced to kick the can down the road and they may prove to be worth it. And then when it's time for that long-term deal, it's going to be a number that they don't like. Um, so like I get everyone saying, yeah, it's one thing, it's a little bit of money, but when you really look at it, it's all of these interconnected things that stack on top of each other. Um, yeah. And that's why we get frustrated. Yeah, it's very much the straw that broke the camel's back. When you think of when you when the rest of the stuff that's on the camel's back is a lot of mistakes, and in this case, you know, poor roster management and things like a whole shit ton of dead cap space. And you know, I think this isn't a you know na 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 poo poo moment, but I think it's clear the Rangers got it wrong with Shattenkirk, right? We can all agree that that yes. is. Like, he got a cup. He was probably the third, uh, or, you know, if you really want to stretch, you know, third or fourth best defenseman on Tampa. And then he just got a three-year deal or, you know, whatever whatever the hell deal he got in Anaheim. 
And, you know, what do the Rangers have to show for that decision? You know, they have all of this dead cap space on the books. And yeah, is it exacerbated by the flat cap because of COVID? Of course it is. But that makes these missteps and errors all the more infuriating to me. Um, and we're not going to talk the whole show about Jack Johnson, but, you know, because there's other things to talk about. Like we mentioned, Jesper Foss signed uh, in Carolina. The great Greg McKegg, uh, Tom, is gone. I believe he's in Boston. Uh, Danny O'Regan is gone. He's in Vegas. Um, forget Terry. Oh, yeah, Lavinia Letary is gone. I think he signed with um, Anaheim. Yeah, I think he, I think he then in Anaheim, too. So... You know, there's a couple things, and of course we could talk about the Rangers' depth, depth signings, but it is very, very perplexing to me, Tom, that this was the choice that was made when, you know, like, is it as simple as li- listing some of the other guys they could have had? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, you could have had John Merrill, you know, you could have had and paid nothing for him, right? Like... Slater Cuckoo, Ben Hutton. Slater Cuckoo, pay nothing for him. Um, especially, like, as things progress, if guys aren't signed now, they're not, you know, you can get guys at the veteran minimum, like, right now, and that's that's the reality of this market. It just, I don't know. Like, like this is not them signing, you know, Maxim LaPerriere to... Uh, a PTO for training camp. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Johnson's the type of guy that he's on the top of the scrap heap come training camp and you're throwing the guy a bone. And if he's not available at that point, then that that's fine. You don't really need him. Um, but I think overall, all of the, the ranting and raving aside, it, it's in, undeniable to say that the Rangers obviously long term are in a good spot. It's just my fear. Yeah. It's just my fear that um, these little moves, like these little missteps, can slow their progression to what they're looking to do. And then you have other teams that are, you know, they're looking to build forward, and that gives them an opening to leapfrog them, which um, obviously wouldn't be good. So let me ask you this. One of the things we heard is, you know, Jacques Martin knows him, obviously, because he was over in Pittsburgh, and that's where Jack Johnson was from. And does this make you more nervous about uh, Jacques Martin? I don't think it makes me more nervous. Um, There was a a good article over The Athletic, I think it was from last year. Um, I think it was, I think it's Jesse Marshall, I believe, is the author. Um, just sort of some of the the systematic things that Martin did that made the Penguins effective. Um, so I I still have confidence in something like that. I, I would have a little bit of a problem if Martin believes that you know Johnson was one of their better players. That would worry me. By far the worst defenseman by every metric you can measure by essentially. Right. He was atrociously like in terms of relative, you know, expected goal differential, in terms of, you know, possession numbers, just it was ghastly how far away he was from guys like Chad Ruedel. You know what I mean? Like Oh yeah. It's just 
it's and now it's the Rangers thing. And I know a lot of like the whole thing. I think it was Carp who said like, you know, if you know if Miller makes it out of camp, then Jack Johnson won't play, and this that that then Jack Johnson won't play. And like it's it's you know it's like all right, so it's like going to a boatyard and saying, you know what, I'm gonna buy the boat with a hole in it, and you tell me like Mike, why the fuck do you want the boat with a hole in it? I'm like, well, listen. If if the boat starts to sink, then we'll uh, we'll swim back to shore. And you're like, well, why not just get a, a boat that doesn't have a hole in it? <laughs> like, why is that what we're doing? It doesn't make any sense to me. It's uh, I don't know if this is a like thinking galaxy brain, like taking a step back. I'm guessing part of this is they wanted an old guy. Hank's gone. Stalzy's gone. You know. It's just a bunch of kids. And... Like, do the Rangers even have anyone over fucking 30 other than Jack Johnson now, Tom? That is a good question. I hadn't um, even thought of that until just now. I mean... Let's see. It's let's a baby, baby team. So, Kreider's almost there. Oh, Brennan Smith is 31. Brennan Smith's 31. And Smith is 31. Uh, is 30. Yep. That's fun. But yeah. And they're like... Kreider and Panarin are the old goats in the forwards. They're 28 and 29, respectively. So, I don't know. I I understand there are things like, you know, team chemistry and team building, and all those things do, do matter and they do make a difference. I just don't think you have to pay a premium for them. And I know that, like, this isn't a... a like, to say a premium by me is hyperbole, of course, but paying a couple... 100,000 over market value based on what the market value is. Yeah. It's, it doesn't make sense to me. And like, I think also part of this is we've kind of seen this movie before. Um, you know, look no further. Adam McQuaid, recent example yeah. of someone the they brought McQuaid in. One was so fascinating because that was a case of, they're kind of convinced they were going to be able to take him and then flip him and get more for him. And they did not do that at all. Um, actually, I think he went to Columbus as part of their uh, deadline stock up when like, everyone thought they were going to sell, but they held on to Panera and they held on to Bob, yada, yada, yada. They brought in you know, Duchesne and Zazingle and then Adam McQuaid. I don't even think McQuaid got games, but the Rangers got less than they gave up for him. And that, those sort of decisions just make you go like, huh. And meanwhile, this team, like as painful as much as of a kick right in the heart it is to watch the buyout of Blunquist then to watch him sign in Washington which I should say I think is a great place for him to land but to me like Jesper Foss can be a part of this team especially for three more years like that one to me didn't it it was just kind of troubling to me but the more I think about it it's like is that you know? Is it just a matter of trying to pave the way for for the kids coming up at the wing, especially on the right side? I don't know, but Tom, I don't like it. <laughs> like, I don't like the idea that the Rangers like. There's every indication that Jesper Fast didn't want to leave here, and I find it troubling that the Rangers wouldn't go three years at two million. I don't know if the term scared them, but two million is perfectly fine for Jesper Fast, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, like, to to do it be only, you know, 
I think $150,000 more a year than he was making. Yeah, because um, he was at one point eight five, right? Yeah, it was a great deal. And that's deal. part of the problem the Rangers, they find themselves in. Like time and time again, they have these amazing value contracts. And like in the case of Foss, like that would have been a slam dunk for me. Um, but, you know. Yeah, I'm not alone in that one. You're with me too. Yeah, I, I, I think you do two years at a minimum. Um, the third year really didn't bother me too much because it didn't bother me too much just because like you know he gets a little less like you know that would I think bring him into his thirties but it's not a four year deal this is a you know exactly what you get out of Jesper Fast he's a guy who the coaches feel like they can play anywhere he's the most popular guy in the fucking locker room everyone loves the guy he's the Rangers Ranger for the last half decade or whatever the hell it is yeah tied and him with Jan Rattel for most wins. And you have, you know, with Jesper Foss leaving and the Mark Stahl trade, you got two of the team's alternate captains gone, Tom. Like, you want to talk about all these intangibles and stuff and bringing in a guy like Jack Johnson. How about a guy who's only ever done everything he was supposed to do in Jesper Fast, And the Rangers don't give him that contract. Yeah, and someone that would have been good for the bottom six where Lafreniere is most likely going to start um, would have been perfect guy to have opposite of him and oh, yeah. you know be a shepherd um, because like as I look at it right now it's it's Bucinevich is your only proven NHL right wing you have Kako who who we all know is going to be fine um, Gautier is who knows um, limited sample of what we saw um, and then that fourth spot is a combination of whether it's Kevin Rooney or Brendan Lemieux or however they decide to line people up. It's uh, it's an unknown. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they really, really, really like Julian Gauthier. And don't get me wrong, I like Gauthier. Maybe. And I obviously like Capocaco plenty, and I believe... You can chalk him into the top six next year and, and not have to think another second about it, right? But, ooh, I'm going to miss Quickie. I really am going to miss Quickie. And I know I know it's a, a problem when you fall in love with your depth forwards and you shouldn't, you shouldn't do that thing that, like, Detroit did where they signed every role player they had to, like, five or six years or whatever the hell they did before. Justin Applicator. Yeah, the Justin Applicators, the Darren Helms of the world, and you know, like, oh, how much do you want to pay for Franz Nielsen? Jesus fucking Christ! Luke Glendening. Uh, that's right, Glendening. <laughs> they did like they did like the the greatest sin of all. Just, but I love him. Why? He works hard. Um, it's a security blanket. Yeah, he's a teddy bear, and like, the thing is, it's it just confusing to me that. These were the decisions made early on in free agency. Um, and, you know, because frankly, there was real potential that the Rangers would make a splash in terms of, like, a small splash. Like, I don't know, trying to sign a middle six center and just letting things go, whatever. Because here's the thing if the Rangers just can't make it work with Ryan Strom and they get nothing out of it, it's not the end of the world to me. Because he was kind of found money in... He was like this amazing... You 
did a backflip out of a burning car because of the Ryan Spooner contract the Rangers signed. And they get Strom out of it. It just, you know, unbelievable turn of fortune. And in many ways, he's already paid off. Like, you've already gotten something out of it because you weren't saddled with a terrible contract you signed. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm very much curious about what happens with you know, we have the arbitration dates coming up and we can talk about that whenever you want, but I don't know. Normally, you're the one who calls for a break in the show. I'm going to call for a break in the show, Tom. Just like that, we're back from the break. Um, I feel powerful. I took the power from you. You did. It's good to be assertive every so often. Um, I broke in your house and I urinated in your toilet to leave my mark. Oh no! You st- or was it? What is it? You stole like uh, stole my rug? Or no? You peed on the rug. In uh, what is it? The the Big Lebowski. Oh yeah, I can do that too. Um. Well, so we can go to Twitter if I want. You know. You, you could. I wouldn't like it very much, but... So we got two directions we can go in. What's and the worst place you've had to pee? Like, like conditions? Or, or like, like a, um... Or like worst spot you've been in where you've had to? That's a good question. The one that comes to mind for me is I was like ankle deep in poison ivy behind a baseball dugout because I just didn't have any other choice. <laughs> um it, me let's see it was probably um i'm trying to think of where i was but i was i was online for something it might have been it might have been like i was with my brother um outside of like a game stop for like a midnight release type thing and like I couldn't leave the line because, you know, like I, I was the 18 year old or above who would be able to get the game. Um, so that's, that's probably it. Or like, I peed in a car in a bottle before. I can't say that I've ever done that. Although I have been in the car with someone who did that. And, um, yeah, it's it's an experience. Not a great smell. No. Yeah. Not a good smell. Anyway, you, you were saying. Yeah, so we can go down two directions, and I'll, I'll let you pick. Um, we can either do the the Hank stuff now, or the the um, arbitration cases, or we can do the arbitration cases, and then we can end on the Hank stuff. Uh, I, I in this case, I'll say dealer's choice. Let's talk Hank for now. All right. Um, I would say like. We've obviously known for a long time that the news was coming. Um, we tried to, you know, rationalize it. Um, I think, um, you know, 
Ryan Ryan Mead's sort of like you know the the stages of grief analogy was was really good with with Hank and you know um, like all the different steps you go through and um, for me I look at it as um, someone that you know you you grow up watching sports and players come and go and it's a it's a normal you know thing for me like I look at he was the the starting goaltender of my favorite team for um, the better part of my life. Um, you know, I grew up a fan. You know, I saw Mike Richter. I saw his career end. I saw that, you know, bridge in between Mike Dunham, um, you know, Dan Blackburn, you know, Jamie McLennan, um, you know, all these different names that were there. But, like, then Hank comes along and then it's just this string of 15 years where like you knew who the goalie was going to be like how many years you know in free agency it's like team x they got to upgrade their goaltending up who's going to be in goal who's going to be in goal but you never had that with the rangers and it was just like this weird thing and the analogy i sort of use and like um that was the sort of the way it was for like the giants when they got eli manning um one you know the first couple of years you know it was tough, but like once he was there, he was their guy. And, you know, um, it really hit me, though, with Hank, though, when he did officially sign and there was the picture of him with the Caps jersey. And then there was the, the rendering of him with uh, a red tinted mask and all of that. And like yeah. once you could actually see it, then it was real. Then Hank was officially gone. And I think that next moment will be when he actually plays in a game. Um, and it's, it's going to be so weird. Um, I, I, uh, I'll, I'll let you say a couple of things first. Yeah, it's going to be surreal. It's, I still distinctly remember, like I, I felt weird about the Zuccarello trade. Um, I felt weird about the step on trade. I even, you know, like I think the Callahan trade was, because of who came back in it, it was, you know, I don't think there was a Ranger fan who didn't love Ryan Callahan to death, right? But oh, yeah. You got Martin St. Louis back, so it was like, oh, okay. Um, and, you know, like, even the Doobie trade, like, I remember that one being sour, but, like, this, to me, you have to go back to Brian Leach getting traded to the Leafs. And... I remember being a kid and seeing Leach in not a Rangers jersey for the first time, and it just felt wrong. Like, I remember, like, I had a binder filled with Rangers cards, and all of them were Leach in a Rangers jersey. And I have all these memories of Leach and uh, everything he can do. And then all of a sudden, I'm watching highlights of him on SportsCenter, and he's in a Leach jersey. And then the next year, he was in a Bruins jersey, I think. And it was just like, I know it's sports. Like, I didn't think this then. I was just a kid, and I was like, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> but, um, like, I know it's a business. But there are some guys you feel like they're special. They're different. They should only be with one team. And it's so unfortunate the way the dominoes fell on this one that Lundquist is not going to be a ranger for his entire career. With that being said, I think 
I speak for many Rangers fans when I say I am now a Capitals fan. I want nothing more than the Capitals to win a cup and for Lundqvist to be a part of it. I would love the Rangers to win a cup more, but i got to tell you, it's kind of like a 1A1B for me. That's how much I revere and respect Lundqvist, the player, and the person. So, God, like I, I alluded to earlier, it's a, it's a very good place for him to land. I know the Capitals are aging. I know Ovi's older. I know Backstrom's older. Um, but it is it is a really good situation for him to be the 1A or 1B with Sorokin um, and to get plenty of starts and stuff. And, um, you know, I got to tell you, I hope, I hope it works out there. I hope he has a great experience. Oh, I'm sorry. I said Sorokin. I meant Samsonov. Tom corrected me uh, in our little chat. He's a sweet boy. Um, the last thing I want, Tom, is for him to bounce around for like another year after this and end up, you know, like in another another place like San Jose or some crazy shit. I don't know. Like for him to bounce around and keep chasing a cup and, you know, not kind of bow out gracefully. I think that would be sad. But it's ultimately his choice. Like, his decision to keep playing was up to him. And, you know, as much as it's bittersweet to think of him being elsewhere, and, you know, it's bittersweet to think of him of this ending, and it's bitter to think of him being elsewhere. Like, it is what it is. That's the business part of this. If he gets to start a game in a Capitals jersey at the Garden, I hope the Garden is loud enough to leave everyone deaf because uh, that's what he deserves. Because we didn't get to say goodbye properly to Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah, like when I when I think of Hank um, and the story I did um, on Hank and his impact and everything off the ice, um, what I'll remember is you know all of the great work that he did, all the times he was in hospitals on Christmas Day. Um, you know, whether it was meeting with kids or, um, you know, dropping off hot meals, like all, all of that stuff that he did, um, just tremendous and, and stuff that's going to be missed. Um, his interaction with, with fans was great too. And I remember, um, it was in, um, 2012, um, it was 2012 or 2013. Um, I think it was 2012, um, because it was, after the winter classic in Philadelphia, um, and where I used to live, they had, um, a signing. He participated, um, Callahan participated, um, Brandon Dubinsky participated. Um, and so they had, you had an opportunity to buy some stuff at the event and have them sign it, or you bring your own stuff. And, um, it's still hanging in my brother's room and, um, I looked at it, um, you know, it was a day or two after, you know, he officially signed with the Capitals and it's the picture of him in goal during the winter classic as 
you know, Danny Barrier is coming down the ice for the um, the the penalty shot. The um, bullshit bullshit penalty shot in recent memory. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I remember um, it was at that time. Um, so my brother, my brother would have been eleven or twelve at the time. Um, he would have just turned. 12 I think because it probably it's probably February or March so yeah he would have just turned 12 and Hank is, is signing the picture and he's like hey can I ask you a question and he goes sure and he says he's like so in this picture like what was going through your head like were you afraid like he was gonna score it's like this really big moment and he's like no I wasn't afraid he was gonna score because all I knew is I had to do everything I've ever done and I I wait I wait I wait make him make the first move and and then I'll stop him and you know as long as I do that I'm going to be fine and if he makes the first move and he scores um you know fine but he wasn't going to make me change on how I do things or or um you know it was I don't remember all like the the exact particulars but it was he he gave more than a just a like a, a one word answer and it really impressed me um you know that he was he was able to sort of like look at the picture and get back into that moment and mm-hmm. sort of everything that was going on and I, I just thought it was really cool yeah i i got the privilege of getting to interview him face to face uh last summer and um, it was really just to talk about the Henrik Lundqvist Foundation and the philanthropic work he does. And it was one of those things where, you know, I was told I would get a couple of minutes with him and he was wrapping up, he was about to leave and the event organizer was like, uh, you know, was like, oh, Mike, did you get to talk to Hank? And I was like, no, I didn't, but I know he's had a crazy day. You know, I didn't want to, you know, he was working with a lot of kids and doing a lot of stuff and, you know, his handler was there with him and you know the event organizer asked very quickly and they said we can just do a couple quick quick minutes i was like that's perfectly fine and then before i knew what i was talking to him about what he did and you know what he does and something i think every rangers fan should really reflect on is the impact he had in the city that adopted him and he adopted and i hope that we think about the culture when like we hear that word so much in sports like the culture of the locker room bop, bop, bop. can you think of a guy who set a better example for what you should do with your platform in terms of making an impact in charity and helping out you know this the city that adopted you than Lundquist um, a very very special man a uh, special player and yeah Tom and I will gush about him. We'll continue to gush about him, I'm, I'm sure. But it is, it's a, it's a once in a lifetime kind of athlete. You don't, you don't get to see a lot of these guys land on your team, right, Tom? Like, yeah, especially like, a homegrown guy, a guy drafted in the fucking sixth round. <laughs> like, um, and the point you made earlier, like, for the entirety of his career, we knew who the Rangers goalie was, and like in my head, I was like, the only other team that could say that was Montreal during that time with Carey Price. And Lundqvist is going to be in the Hall of Fame, and I'm sure Price will be too, but it is crazy to think of what he achieved and what he accomplished here, and then 
the thing that we, you and I both know is everyone will say, but there wasn't a cup. Yeah, and you know what? Like, people are going to say that, and if they want to say that, you know, fuck them. Um, because there's certainly a list of professional athletes in all sports that they did everything but win. Um, and, you know, my lasting impression of Lundquist will be, and, you know, like, I know you're into history, so, like, for me, when I look at hockey history, it's like, man, um, what would it have been like to see, you know, Rocket Richard play? What would it have been like to see Gordie Howe play? Like, all of these career great um, athletes that you could say, you know, they were one of the best at their position. Um, you know, obviously, you know, people who have been watching hockey, you know, for at least, you know, let's say during most of Henrik's career, like you could say, you know, they saw the either the greatest or second greatest, depending of your definition, defenseman in all time in Nicholas Lindstrom. Um, I don't think I'll ever see another goalie like Henrik Lundqvist in my lifetime. Um, and I just think that's kind of amazing and depressing at the same time that, you know, there's going to be, kids growing up someday reading hockey books and like oh they're going to come across the name of Henrik Lundqvist and all of his accolades and go wow this was really one of the best players at his position to ever play this game and it is a privilege and you don't realize it until it's gone um and I'm very happy they have Igor um, I, I, I love Igor. I think he Can has... Can you imagine how much more this would hurt if there wasn't Igor here? Exactly. And the thing about <laughs> it is, it's like, we're, we're spoiled that you're having that sort of, um, that torch passed. Yeah, that um, succession is a smooth one, and one where it's like, yeah, this kid can handle it. Yeah. It's crazy and, to think that any of us think that, like, yeah, he'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like what, and compared my, to what, like, the shoes he has to fill, are we out of our fucking minds? Yeah, and like oh my, my biggest fear is like that you you know you don't want people to like like turn on the kid, um, but yeah, be it's, patient with our with our sweet prince. But yeah, um, Hank was a great ranger, uh, you know. The best ranger of all time to me. I, don't I think hope. It's be, close. Yeah, I hope he comes back in some capacity when his career is wrapped up if he's wants to stay in hockey. But you know, knowing Hank. Um, he can do a lot of things when he's ultimately decided to hang him up. Um, but you know, it's, uh, you know what I want him to do Tom. What do you want him to do? I want him to be the next amazing goalie coach. And I only want him to work for one team. The Buffalo Sabres. God damn it. <laughs> I had to staple gun your arm. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, um, we'll miss you, Hank. Uh, obviously, thank you for everything. Um, it's it's going to be different um, going into, you know, games and not hearing in goal number 30, Henrik Lundqvist. But very excited for Igor. Um, and, you know, obviously, Gorgiev, as long as he's around. But it's, it's not going to be the same. And, uh, you know, it's going to take, take some getting used to. Yeah, we're gonna have. It's a different kind of love where we have to develop for Igor. We have to be very, very patient. Remember, he's a young guy, which is why I hope everything goes smoothly with, uh, with Georgie. Because it would be nice if there was that nice security blanket, even if it's just another year of, 
of Georgiev uh, because, like, you know, it's uh, it's just very interesting how this is all kind of crumbled, um, and and this is the way the chips, you know, have, you know, have fallen. Um, I'm curious about what happens in arbitration with Georgie, and I guess that is a good time to kind of transition there. Perfect this segue. Start, this starts off with, wouldn't you know it, Tom, probably, are you more interested to see what happens with D'Angelo or Strom? Um, so, I honestly don't know, because I was thinking about this today, because, like, D'Angelo is like I would say one of the players that's most prepared for arbitration because it's just his personality of him not really caring what people think of him so it's it's going to be I'm interested how different it's going to be that with everything like over zoom or video conference because you can't go to Toronto to do this like is there going to be less emotional weight because like you know, if you've ever been in a room with someone and they've like said something negative about you, like there's a certain weight that I'm looking at you directly in the eye, you know, you know, five feet away from me and saying, well, you fucking suck. But like, if it's over like a, a video conference, like it sort of loses some of that impact. Um, and strategically, it doesn't make sense for him to, uh, settle to a deal outside of arbitration because the arbiter's number is arguably going to be higher than whatever the Rangers offer and yeah, you know to be in the middle and I, it goes that saying that D'Angelo is going to want more than what the Rangers are willing to give so but I would imagine it's the Rangers are going to try and lowball as much as they can afford to but I mean the bottom line in my opinion is D'Angelo has a very good case to get paid a very 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 good case because you know the Rangers can say, hey, we already got a couple of guys on the right side, and we got money tied up in them, and the Arbiter and D'Angelo can both say, that's not Anthony D'Angelo's problem. Yeah, I really think that every every player is going to go in high, and they're they're not going to care about, you know, the environment. They're going to, you know, not my monkeys, not my circus. It's, this is me, give me my money. Um, I, I could see him asking for $6 million. As a high number, um, I could see the Rangers going like three, and then him hoping that you know it's closer to five, um, because he's got a really good case. Like he's got a he, really good case to get paid. Like fourth in all scoring among defensemen this year. Yeah, like the role he had on the power play. More points um, than Petrangelo. Yeah, I mean, like you. It is crazy to think of, you know, if, I, if I'm if i trying to build a case for him to get paid based strictly on what happens on the ice, I should clarify. Like, I think it's easier to build the case for D'Angelo than against him. Like, Yeah, know. especially because there's limited things like you can use in arbitration. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he's a guy entering the prime of his career and he's like, hey, I deserve to get paid. This is what I did. And, you know, before this season, he had, you know, a strong season last season. Um, you know, and I know the Rangers are probably going to say, you know, this is a guy, you know, we who takes a dumb penalty every now and then, or we have to discipline him, whatever, and all that other stuff. But like, like you said, there's only so much shit you can bring up in arbitration. Like, 
if we're talking about production and a guy who's what his role is, he fucking hit it out of the park. So um, it's going to be tough. I think it's going to. That's why I'm most interested in that one. I'm just I dread term in in what might or might not happen with Strom. I'm worried that the Rangers will come to terms with Strom and they'll give him you know two or three years and. In my head and heart, I just want it to be a one-year deal, and or better yet, they flip Strom um, for I don't know anything pretty much. But um, so you know what I didn't remember? Go ahead. What I didn't remember is that I would say the last high-profile defenseman to go to arbitration, Jacob mm-hmm. Truba. Ah, fun. They had a six-hour hearing. His number was seven. The Jets' number was four million, and the decision was five point five million. That's like I believe you can use past arbitration cases in your um, your offer, like you know, as a because like you can obviously use. I think it's like any stats that are available on NHL.com, and now that NHL.com has fancy stats, right, you know, he can, like, use those numbers. But, like, he couldn't say, well, according to natural stats trick, you know. But, uh, yeah, after remembering that, like, yeah, he could have a really good case because he was more productive than Truba. Yeah, Strom, I think, will have a harder time. Oh, yeah. Rangers can just say... Um, I'd I'd like to present to you and hold up like a you know a piece of construction paper that has a crayon drawing of Artemi Panarin on it. <laughs> like this accounts for much of Ryan's value and worth to the team. And don't get me wrong, Ryan Strom is a great passer and he does great things in the offensive zone at times. But um, I don't know. I don't think the Rangers need him very much, and I I feel like. They're going to lowball that one big time. Um, it's it's interesting to me that we haven't talked a lot. Uh, it's not just you and I, Tom, on the show, but frankly, I haven't seen it anywhere, really. People talking about what Georgiev's going to get and if he's going to sign for term or not. But obviously it's going to arbitration, so who the hell knows at this stage. But I'm Yes, yeah, Strom's the only one that can get a one-year award, um, but yeah. the Rangers, for every other case... They can pick whether it's a one or two year award, and mm-hmm. like for the Rangers, if they if they want to be tactical, you would do a two year award for D'Angelo because once he's locked in, like then that gives you the ability to okay, if they if they ultimately do want to trade him, it's not just uh, he's signed for this year and then you have to go through this song and dance next year. It's no, you have them this year and then the year after. Hmm. Yeah. And that is very appealing. Like to have that sort of stability control. Um, yeah. And frankly, in the Rangers case, that would line up pretty, pretty good with the whole Nils Lundqvist situation. So, um, having that sort of ability to have him at a fixed cost makes plenty of sense. Like I, I'm very curious about what kind of term and value Georgiev gets just because you know last season um, when Igor got hurt and it was Hank and Georgie who were healthy 
Georgie was getting the starts over Hank, and like uh, there are a lot of reasons why that was happening beyond, you know, beyond just what. Oh, excuse me, yawning in a podcast, Mike. Terrible, terrible. <laughs> uh, um, but I was just thinking, like, it's interesting to me to think what Georgiev will be able to say um, in terms of what his value is to the team. Because, you know, he's been a 1B guy for a couple of years now, right? So there are a lot of cases to look around the league of where 1B guys get paid pretty well, frankly. You know what I mean? Like... Well, yeah, and like he has, days. like he's in an interesting case because you de- you do need the security of having someone if Igor can't handle the workload, um, be- because like I wrote I wrote about this, um, wow, maybe over a year ago it was looking at um, goalies that came from overseas and how they transitioned and amount of games played and I know like Vasilevsky was one example where he struggled with the increased workload and then he he was able to adjust to it um but then again the league is is much different now where you need two goalies where you want to have that 50-30 split um or 50-32 split rather um but yeah I don't see it being a problem for Gorgiev. I Like, I think $2 million around that um, will be fine. And, but their, their, how they proceed could also be impacted by what, De, what money D'Angelo gets because he's one of the first arbitration cases. And if that they, doesn't they go... Won. Yeah. And if that doesn't go well, then that sets the tone for everything else. Yeah, that will make... A world of difference in what happens with Strom. Like, Brennan Lemieux is... He gets what's left. Yeah, he's going to get what's left. He's going to get a million a year. Uh, Or, you know, he's going to get Jack Johnson money, I guess we can call it now, Tom. (laughs) Although I Uh, saw... I don't remember what beat writer, but someone, like, penciled in, like, 1.8 million, and I'm like, that's that's damn high. Like, no. 1.8 for Brennan Lemieux? Yeah, no. What did he do to double his money? Yeah, I know you got to get more, but I don't know. 1.8 is steep for a guy who got suspended and plays really in your bottom six. wasn't wasn't your bottom six wasn't able to play himself up into the top six despite there being a lot of line shuffling and frankly is a one trick pony that he draws penalties well. Like I'll give him that. Yeah, but he gives and takes in that to me. Oh no! Yeah, I know. And I, I'm one of those people, like, I know it takes some ability to be an irritating prick on the ice, but... <laughs> it's a good way of putting it. I'd, I'd rather have a guy who can, who can agit... Like, give me the guy who draws penalties by, um, I don't know, controlling the puck. <laughs> like, you know, making plays and forcing defenders to take penalties, as opposed to the guy who goes on, gets his team in the power play by going up and having a shit-eating grin on someone's face and saying something about his sister. Like, I prefer the former to the latter. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's going to be very interesting. Like you said, all of this will depend on what happens with D'Angelo, and he can really, really, really get paid here. And that will shape, frankly, the rest of the Rangers' offseason. Um, I probably should give people the happens. dates, too. Like, now that I'm just thinking of it... Uh, 
D'Angelo is October 20th. Gorgiev is October 31st. Strom is November 5th. And Lemieux is November 6th. Yeah. Lemieux is bad in cleanup, which means he's going to get crumbs. Because, um, you know, the other thing is the Rangers... Oh, we should also mention, Tom, we, we neglected to mention that Phil DiGiuseppe was fined. Um, which I was very fine with. Um, good 13th was, forward. Very good 13th forward, especially in direct comparison to Gregory McEgory. So... I think the Rangers kept the right guy of those guys around. Like, I liked what Daniel Regan did in Hartford, but push comes to shove, I like what Phil DiGiuseppe did the most. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's such a whatever sort of signing, but, you know, this is a guy who'll end up playing 25 games or something for the Rangers, so not right. consequential. Um, Anything else... That we should talk about. I mean, I know, like, oh, obviously, because they yawned on a podcast. I mean, that's fine. Like, you know, it happens. Like, you know, stuff is happening. You know, life is. You know, life these days. Um, but yeah, um, we're always thankful to everyone that listens to the show. I'm always very thankful for you, um, and I know you're very thankful for our uh, patrons. A six foot gap. Am Nahoek, Aiden Gaspar, Amriel Kistner, Andre Chicagoff, Andy White, Anthony Viola, Beezer, Ben Pierney, Bjarner Osterheim, Bob Kawa, Bobby Callahan, Captain America, Chris Abibi, Chris Lucas, Chris Marco Trigiano, Clark Carroll, Daniel Jazen, David Els, Singer, Fancy Lawrence, Frank Menino, George Lippman, Igor Zavlaski, Jamie Bushold, Jason Silverman, Jeff Owen, Jermaine Francis, John Predzapelski, John Reppy, Jordan Sassone, Justin Walsh, Keith Franchillo, Kevin Mead, Kush Tastic, Kyle Napolitano, Matt Bader, Matt Pumple, Matthias Olson, Michael Kanick, Michael Marcus, Michael Silvers, Nikolai Hoffman, Panarin2020, Patrick Landolt, Perennial Powerhouse, Sammy Vogel Seinberg, Sean, Stieg Bialbach, Stink Fleeman, Togai Rob, The Arrow Carlson, The Tin Man, Tour from Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Um, Thank you, everyone, for your continual support. Uh, me and Mike really appreciate it. Um, we're obviously going to see what happens with you know everything in uh, arbitration and you know the rest of free agency. Um, we have some plans for you know um, future episodes of the podcast. Um, some things we have planned, but we'll you know keep that under wraps for now. Sort of like a. A tease to make you come back uh, next week, um, but we hope uh, it's something that you enjoy. Uh, Mike, um, I hope you have a great rest of the day. Um, Thank you, as always, for joining me, and uh, we'll speak to our friends uh, in a week from now. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.